Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work For Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. In our never-ending I Work For Him desire to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways that will challenge the way you think about just about anything. Today, we're talking about friends and hobbies. Marriage mentoring for those who want to solidify the relationships Martha and I are spending the next 10 weeks going through our marriage mentoring program and some of the topics, some of the questions, some of the issues that we see couples struggling with and trying to give you a taste and an appetite for bringing marriage mentoring into your church, into your congregation, into your place of worship so that around Tampa Bay, we could start shifting the tide of divorce in the direction of people staying married and working on it. So, baby, we got a fast-moving show for a change today. For a change. (laughs) My life. People can only imagine how fast our life goes. (laughs) That's why we had a little M&Ms for Martha, a little Skittles Mm -hmm. for me right before the show. No Mountain Dew on the way today. Just got my neck feeling like it actually was connected to my head, so I didn't want to have any Mountain Dew. But (laughs) All right, John 15, 12 through 17, talks about friends. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. Pretty high commandment. That's what Jesus is saying to his disciples. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Ooh, 
You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask in the Father, ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. John 15, 12 through 17. That happened to be the English Standard Version. Today we're talking about the impact of friends and hobbies on our marriages, on our relationships in work, outside of work. And we want to invite you guys to call in today. That's right. We would love to hear from people as we are um, having this discussion and what they might have to add or questions they may have. Or We need to know people are out there listening. I mean, why are we on the air not just to hear ourselves talk? We can do that at home, can't we? Yes, we can. We can sit and listen. We can sit in a room and put microphones on because we have the equipment now and just sit and listen to ourselves. We could, but what would be the fun in that? I don't know. That's why we want to know, hey, if you've got a question about maybe how your friendships, how your hobbies are interfering with your marriage, call into the studio line today at... 855-265-2929. 855-265-2929. Or you can text us a question during the show. Yes, they can at 727-487-9863. 727-487-9863. And if you're sitting still, program that in your phone. Yeah, so you program it in your phone. Then you can later. just say <laughs> text WTIS. How cool would that be? 727-487-9863. All right. So let's talk about, hey, we're got, we've got a really cool book to give away later today. Mm-hmm. Make sure you, you tune in. It was written by the wife of one of our guests a couple weeks ago. That's right. And one of our favorite authors. My Life as a Middle School Mom. We'll talk about that after the break. All right. So, Martha, what's, how's Christ working on our lives today? Should I start first? Sure, go right ahead. I have no idea. Okay, so here's the deal. <laughs> right now, Martha and I are at this crossroads. We're trying to just figure out where. To, how do we take I work for him to the next level? How, what does that next level look like? What does that ministry look like? We both love pouring into couples. We love pouring into businesses. We both love small businesses. We love helping people straighten and streamline and organize their businesses. But we also love doing the same thing in their marriages and encouraging their marriages. And obviously, the marriage has a longer term impact because if you you solidify your marriage today, it impacts your children, it impacts your grandchildren. And as Martha and I saw this weekend at our family re- uh, our family reunion on Martha's side, mm-hmm. it impacts your great-grandchildren. That's right. And really, for your grandparents, mm-hmm. that was their great-great-grandchildren. Yes, even though they never met them. That's right. the legacy. That's right. And we talked about that. And, and really, that's what we're talking about. That's why having strong marriages is so important, because it it impacts generations. And it impacts in ways that we will never know. Um, And I think that's the connection between the marriage and the workplace is the fact that the people that work for you, the people that work with you, we all watch each other. We all look at how each other is living life. And if you um, are making intentional improvements in your marriage and actually um, helping to make that grow and be stronger, you know that that's being seen by other people just by the conversations that are being had and you can you know, pour into them in that way by being an example. And, and we've talked about it week after week, month after month, year after year. If whatever's going on at home, if it's good, it impacts you at work. Mm-hmm. Whatever's going on at home, if it's bad, it impacts you at work. Whatever's going on at home impacts you. And so it's so important that we recognize how we can work on those things. And so Martha and I really wanted to highlight 
what's going on, uh, how we can, this marriage mentoring process that we've taken many, many, many couples through in the First Baptist Church of Indian Rocks is has this marriage mentoring program where we have over 26 couples, trained mentors, uh, to work with couples. We've had 75 or 100 couples go through the mentoring process, but we're looking to get this this process. It's called Dare to be Different. We're looking to get that in other churches in Tampa Bay. So we're encouraging you to listen to what we're talking about and then say to your pastor, hey, I heard about this marriage mentoring program. We can get it in our church because it's already in over 3,000 churches across America. Dare to be different.com. Yeah, and I think that's the thing I was thinking about. They can just go to their website, dare to be different.com. Dare to be different. Or they can get a hold of you or I because, as people, if they've listened in at all, they know we're very passionate about it and we want people to really understand what it is. And I just saw a post, I think it was today on Facebook, that they just were at a church. Um, I can't remember where they were, but I mean, they trained like another 50 couples at this church on how to do this very simple mentoring process so that they could pour into other couples. It's so exciting. Well, let's drive it home a little bit. And by the way, it's dare to be different dot com dare to be different dot com. All right. That's good. (laughs) A little little help there from Dave Cruz. You you look at the riots that went on in in Baltimore the last couple of days, Mm -hmm. and there's a YouTube video that's going nutso stinko Mm -hmm. of a mom smacking her kid upside the head saying, what are you doing? You stupid. Get out of here. I mean, she just, we need more moms and dads like that because the issues that we've got in Baltimore and we've had all over the country are, are because parents aren't disciplining their kids. If we just teach our kids, you get pulled over by the police, keep your hands on the wheel, shut up, do what you're told to do. Nobody gets hurt. Mm -hmm. But we've got these kids that are storming police officers and chasing after them. What do you expect a police officer to do? Now, we don't know how Freddie Gray got a spinal injury, but we know that the behavior done on Freddie Gray's behalf in Baltimore, a ridiculous excuse It's just a ridiculous excuse. People have lost their businesses. People have lost 180 cars or 130 cars were burned last night. What kind of proof? What is that point? So let's start. Let's start building up strong families because we want to turn the tide in America. We got to build strong families and strong families don't have kids that are burning cars up. Well, and I think the thing that resonates with so many people is the fact that that mom is expecting her child to respect her and expecting him to abide by the rules that she set up in their home. And she's bumping him on the head and saying, what are you thinking? And I think that a lot of us would like to have that strength in our motherhood and in our parenthood. But a lot of, a lot of us in our culture have wimped out because we're like, oh, I can't make my kid mad at me. So I think that's what really resonates is the fact that she's going, you know what, I've taught you to be better than this and you need to rise up and and be better than this. And parents, we're not meant to be our children's friends. We're supposed to be parents. Parents aren't friends when you're parenting. Maybe later on in life you are uh, what did you want me to say? I just was. This goes back to our book that we're going to give away. That's right. Today. That's right. Parents, your your job is to parent your kids, to raise them up in the way that she goes, so that in the end they will not depart from them. It's not to be their friend. Sometimes you have to make your kids ticked off at you because you're going to make them do things, or they're going to have consequences for things. They're not going to like it. They're not going to necessarily like everything you do. What? Okay. Take a deep breath. You know what? I'm sick and tired. Of, <laughs> I'm sick and tired of parents doing, giving their kids everything they want and then going, I don't know why my kid misbehaves for crying out loud. You know what? But you think about our topic today. We're talking about friends and hobbies. And maybe one of the reasons that parents struggle with this differentiation between their kids being their friends and, and that like is the fact that 
They don't have friends that they're investing in. So many of us get distracted by the parenting to the point of letting go of our own lives. So that's the importance of talking about this conversation today is a lot of times in our marriages, we're not talking about who are our friends, what are our hobbies. It's all about we got this game to go to and they're going to have their friends over on Friday night. So we're going to be chaperoning and and we lose sight of the importance of strengthening our relationship. So what you're saying is we need to surround ourselves with quality friends that will encourage us in the right way. Most definitely. Absolutely. But it also could be I, I, I mean, I think the majority of if you look at kids that grow up in families where mom and dad have remained married, and you compare them to kids that grown up in families where mom and dad have not remained married, and Christ is not the center of the home, all of a sudden you start to see a difference in behavior because when there's a divorce, all of a sudden mom and dad start fighting each other for the attention of the child instead of the child just having to be obedient. And it, and it gets to be a, a game where, you know, we gotta just, we've got to raise these kids to be leaders. Stop making excuses for them. You know, if your kid breaks a law, they need to get punished. If your kid breaks curfew, you need to make the curfew earlier to, or don't let them go anywhere. The kid gets a speeding ticket, take his car away. That's what my dad did. Yeah, and that was a threat that kept you from speeding, didn't it? Not really. But I did take my car away for six weeks. And that drove my youth sponsor. I'd like to thank Mike just on behalf of... <laughs> he drove you a lot of places. Because he drove me a lot of places for six weeks. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so listen, how's Christ working in your life there, baby? Um, I think that um, just realizing, you know, we talk so much about just wondering what the next step is for I work for him and how God is using it and... Really realizing that, you know, we always tell people, we tell everybody else, God's not going to give you the next 10 steps. He's going to just lamp, put his lamp to the path of the step right in front of us and guide us and um, just trying to be obedient and be faithful. And I was really challenged this week by um, Mary Walshall, who we've had on the show, Christian. We should bring um, her back. Oh, I love her. Um, and she does a daily blog that I get in an email, and she has a weekly theme. And this theme, it's all about getting in the Word. And I actually posted that yesterday. And just such a good reminder that we sang a song in Sunday school years ago that said, Oh, no. Read the Bible and pray every day. Read the Bible and pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. And it was like... I don't know that one, so it's not going to yeah, go singing through no. my head now. <laughs> but... Simple facts. How about read the book, don't wait for the movie? That's very similar to it. But the point is that we're going to grow only if we read and pray. So without that, where's the growth going to come from? So just the simple conviction this week that, you know, we, we can't expect to get deeper if we don't invest in that. So that's what hey, I've been you know, challenged. before we get to the break, let's let's just talk about the cruise. Because February 18th 18th. through the 22nd. 2016, we're doing our third annual Cruise Your Way to a Better Marriage, and we're all that is like the eighth marriage retreat we've done. Mm-hmm. And and in between here and there, we're we're going to try to do an on land one for those of you that can't afford to do the cruise. But this is pretty or reasonable for tax people that can't go that time. Of year. Oh yeah, for tax people. <laughs> all our CPA friends are like, they're like, guys, seriously, you're us. <laughs> February. And I got and I got told today that on three one, that's when the farm returns are due, and then three fifteen mm-hmm. is when corporate taxes are due. Mm-hmm. So, but it is the weekend right after Valentine's Day. Did you realize that? It, yeah. Yes, I did Isn't realize that it. Sweet? it is sweet. Okay, so anyway, it's it, for a couple, all inclusive. Your room, your tip, your taxes, your t- parking at the Tampa parking place right outside the cruise terminal. It's eight hundred and eighty bucks, and we're talking. Thursday at noon through Monday morning, sometime late morning, you get to focus on your spouse. Focus on working on your marriage. The phones don't work. Cell phones don't work. Hallelujah. The internet costs way too much money to spend money on it. It's just time alone, 
to really build up your mirror. Every couple that's gone on this retreat has come back and said, wow. I love it. One of our friends posted today, they shared the the link onto their Facebook page, and they made the comment that said, you're not sitting in sessions all day. This is such a great, because we give you a little bit of a nugget, and then you spend some time together chewing on it and really trying to implement it into your um, relationship. And so... Well, of course, we know that we don't want to just sit inside all day on a beautiful no, day. No, we're going on the cruise, too. That's right. And we and want time talking with we, couples. And we respect that of everybody. We want the best balance possible. So that's what we attempt it's to do. It's a total of like seven hours of sessions in five days. Yeah. And then you've got some lunchtime discussions for two days that are just you and your spouse to go through. And it's just so it's just an investment, investment, investment. It is an investment that will pay off a thousand times. That's all you got to do is find out more on the website, iworkforhim.com, right, baby? You got all the details on there? Sure do. You know, Martha, it's time for our book highlight segment brought to you by Karis Christian Books and Gifts. The name of the book is My Life as a Middle School Mom, written by Angela Hunt. Angela Hunt has worked with middle schoolers for over, what's almost 30 years now, but because the book is just a few years old. But it's her parenting experience that qualifies her as an expert on tweens. With humor and compassion, she offers support to parents of children who are at that awkward stage between childhood and adolescence and adulthood. Angela Hunt does a thorough job of describing the problems, circumstances, and situations affecting the children of middle school age. Everything from academics to zits. Parents, you need to give firm guidance to to counter effect, counteract the effects of media. Frustrated parents will take comfort in the knowledge that the growing pain pains of tweens are typical and temporary. So you need to get this book almost like a handbook, My Life as a Middle School Mom by Angela Hunt. Call the studio line now at 855-265-2929, 855-265-2929. Got only one copy to give away today. Call now and remember, you need to read this book. Don't wait for the movie. All right, we're back live and in studio. Call right now if you want to get a copy of this book, My Life as a Middle School Mom. If you're a dad, you can get this for your you can get this for your wife as a Mother's Day present. Oh, how nice would that be? If you've got a middle schooler. <laughs> as long as it so had chocolates and flowers. Yes, add some chocolates, shove some M&Ms inside the, the binding. It'd be a great deal. My Life as a Middle School Mom by Angela Hunt. 855-265-2929. 2929 right, we're talking about... The impact of friends and hobbies. Let's talk really quickly about the mentoring process. Okay. Well, um, the first thing that happens in the mentoring process is both the husband and wife have to agree that they want to go through it. So this is a situation where you're wanting to invest in your marriage and spend some time together make, um, making it stronger, improving it, working on some areas where you may have some, you're not seeing eye to eye. So in our church, they match you up. You, you do an application, and you just get matched up with a couple that might... Um, the only you know, way we can see eye to eye is if you stand on a stool. Oh, honey, that's not very nice. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway, no, I'm, I know how tall I am. That's not a surprise. So. But now everybody else knows how tall you are. <laughs> Five, one and a half, if you must know. Anyway, um, so they do the little um, application, and then the church matches them up with a couple that may be available to meet with them and start the process of getting t- planning a time to get together. Take a survey with a hundred and between one hundred and thirty-four and one hundred seventy-four questions, and these questions, or just, give or take, 
statements. There you go. But they um, help to just assess areas that you maybe haven't talked about or maybe you just disagree on completely. And then it uses a, um, a computer program that pops it all out into a results for the mentor couple to be able to know what areas to talk about. The first one is communication. And then it goes from there, depending on where their hot buttons are. Right. So this week we're talking about friends and hobbies and how mm-hmm. friends and hobbies can impact your marriage. For instance, after the break, we're going to come back and talk about these questions that impact so many couples. I feel we don't spend enough quality time together. We have many mutual friends that we enjoy being with. I feel my partner has too many close relationships with people of the opposite sex. We have many friends that share our beliefs and the way we live. And I make most of the decisions regarding what we do together. These tend to be the top five questions that people really struggle with in statements. So when we come back, we're going to talk through these issues and give you just a little glimpse into what the marriage mentoring process does and how it impacts you, specifically related to friends and hobbies. And again, these things relate to what's going on at home and what goes on at work. So, okay. Marriage mentoring process, talking about friends and hobbies. We said we'd highlight these sentences to start with. These are, mm-hmm. these are questions that people who say, I agree with this statement or disagree with this statement. I feel we don't spend enough quality time together. Most couples say this. They say, we agree. Yes. We don't spend enough quality time together. Why is that so important? Why is it important? Because, to spend quality time together. Well, my goodness, because how do you really know somebody if you're not spending time together and doing life together? I love it. Somebody had explained that to us one time when they were talking about, you know, living, having all your own things to do, your own hobbies, your own friends, uh, just taking care of the kids and everything that you no longer are doing life together when you aren't spending that quality time together. You know, and a lot of people, they... They just don't understand the value of just time together. They're so busy. They, they let so many activities interfere. And when you're spending quality time together, eventually you'll actually talk. Yes. And so the quality time kind of tees up the talking time. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so important. It is. It's really important. And we just don't make room for it. Um, it's crazy because there's a book out that I have skimmed that's called Crazy Busy. There's another book I have on my shelf that's called Addicted to Busy. And we're so, I'm so busy I can't even read the books. You know, and, and so. That's why people wait for the movie. Oh, that's true. But you got to read the book. Don't wait for the movie. Because yeah. this, mo- this one's not coming out but the, the But the point is, is that we just let things keep on piling up and then you look at your calendar and you're like we don't even have time to just sit and talk and how sad is that because you did when you were dating you had all kinds of time you made the time to talk and get to know each other and go for walks and have picnics and things to spend that quality time together you couldn't stand a moment apart i couldn't breathe when i wasn't around you it was like the air got sucked out of my life that's so poor when i was around you Life was good. Aww. That's why it's been so awesome being married to you almost 29 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you realize on May 11th, mm-hmm. it'll be 31 years since our first date. Yep. That's been a long time ago. I can't even believe. 30 years? Yeah. Wow. And you're still just as beautiful today as you were then. Aww. I'm 80 pounds heavier. It's just sad. 
Just sad. Well, now we're just telling everybody our hey, measurements, that's what we're trying our to weight. Be, I'm not giving your measurements away. <laughs> All right. So uh, quality time, super duper duper uber important. Uber. Uber. Uber important. Uber so the, important. So one of the things that we do in the mentoring process is we come to an agreement where we say, okay, so what are we going to do about this? If we both agree or one agrees more than the other, if one agrees to the statement more than the other, it's more than likely because their love language is quality time. And it's next to impossible to ever have enough <laughs> quality time with a spouse who that's their love language. What are you saying, and if you baby? you want more details on that, come talk to me because I know about it full well. Hey, I'd like to thank Lynette for calling in. She Aww. says that uh, she knows us and so I do know her. She'd like to win. She won the book today. So, Lynette, thanks for listening. I won't say your last name, but we know who you are. She can come get it at She's Paris. got a middle schooler and one about to go in. And yes, she has. And she's already lived through three other ones, if that's, I know correctly, yeah. or two or three other ones. I keep, can't keep track. A couple. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think I taught one in middle school. <laughs> I did. I taught one in but school. But you can never oldest. know too much about being a middle school no. mom. <laughs> no, because every middle schooler is different. Yes, just because our children are all different. And as hmm. yeah, God's got a sense of humor there. And it was the toughest years of our lives. Really? Sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The the transition. I think that's what it says here. It says her little subtitle is. My kids may be deductible, but they're still taxing. <laughs> yeah, people say, "Well, if I could just go back and relive my childhood," I'm like, "No stinking way would I ever want to go back through middle school ever again." Oh, it was again. the toughest on you. Absolutely, I thought you meant toughest for parenting. Oh no, so, I don't think so. Okay, I was Got thinking it. on me. Got it. I wouldn't want to redo so, it. Not that you have a choice. No, okay. but so then what we talk about in the mentoring process then is okay. How can we improve this? You as a husband and wife, let's talk about how you're going to get more quality time together so that they can come to an agreement on what they're going to do to try to make this better. Right? Right. Okay. <laughs> so what would be some examples of things that they'd come up with? What do you think? Like well, dating. Um, dating is a good one. Starting dating again. I yes. think that's a great one. We got to move on to another question. Yeah, but I want people all the to understand why okay. we had So well, we did from now on because we haven't been dating every at all. A lot of people, after they get their kids in elementary school, they forgot how to date because they just made it through the diaper stage. Right. And so to start dating once a month is a good way. And then start dating twice a month and then three times a month. And then by the time your kids are in high school, date every week. And of course, we always tell couples to start with just talking 15 minutes every evening. And then praying After together. the kids go to bed, spend some time talking together, reconnecting, finding out what's making each other you know, happy or sad or what you're dealing with, and then pray together about Give it. Give your marriage a chance. Put your kids to bed early. Velcro them. Put them to bed early and often. And don't tolerate them getting out of bed. It makes for happier children. Too. Happier children and a happier spouse. Okay, so the next question. Well, let, let's... Oh. Well, okay, that's fine. The next question. Okay. We have many mutual friends that we enjoy being with. So there's a lot of ways you can interpret this. We have many mutual friends, or even do we have any mutual friends that we both enjoy being with? I think it's a sarcastic statement. I think it's one of the ones that Matt put in there that's sarcasm. Because a lot of people don't have a lot of mutual friends, many. I mean, what is a version of many? I mean, you can't really, in today's world, how many can you really have? You really can't have too many. Otherwise, then it's hard to have a good relationship with them. But the key here is finding another couple that you enjoy spending time together that's like-minded, that they also want to invest in their marriage, that they want to hold you accountable and um, be able to be on the same page, either maybe the stage of life that you're in or somebody who's willing to share wisdom with you, but that you enjoy just having good 
fun together and enjoy having them over for dinner. Usually they're they're in your same socioeconomic status yes. too, so that mm-hmm. so that you I mean hanging out with the Joneses if they're living the life of the Trumps, you don't want to hang out with them if that's not your world. Because right. that you talk about messing up your marriage, then all of a sudden you go into debt, keeping up with your friends. Right. So Bad we have idea. one couple that we're we've worked with recently that they just said, you know, we have a mutual friend couple, but we haven't been real intentional about spending time with them. So the agreement might be just to say, hey, you know what? Let's invite them over in the next month or so, and just spend some time with them, so that we and you know, there's nothing. Um, it really feeds into you when you have an, another couple that you just have a good, enjoyable evening together. All right, you know we we don't most of the the sentences we're going to highlight today all have to do with relationships, mm-hmm. but not to do with hobbies. I just mm-hmm. recognize that. So okay. I want to talk about this one that's I feel my partner has few interests and hobbies that include me. Mm, that's a that is a touchy one. You know you don't want to be you know you do want to you want to find what am I trying to say? We're, we constantly are seeking to try to find a hobby that will include both of us, mm-hmm. and the one that we found is we like to read. And sit on the beach. Yes. Me under a uh, umbrella. Uh, an umbrella, you <laughs> out there getting baked. So, that's right. So, I mean, so, and a lot of people would say, well, that's not really together if you're both reading, but it is because for Jim, it's shoulder to shoulder time. It's getting that quality time sitting together and just getting that decompressed time, quiet time, all kinds of things that can happen there. But the problem with this is that you find a hobby that you're really Um, passionate about and it takes your time away from your partner your spouse to say okay i'm going to rebuild this car from scratch and it's going to take three years and it's going to take 20 hours every week if your spouse isn't wanting to do that with you you've really caused a great chasm just buy a car that's done well but i mean there can be pleasure in that and it doesn't make it wrong like if your spouse golfs learn how to golf there you go or give ask your spouse to give up golf if your spouse to loves to watch back, football, right? Or if your spouse loves to watch football or hockey or baseball, learn to watch it with them. Or that spouse needs to give some of those things up. I mean, you were always very tolerant of me watching NASCAR. Eventually, we, I just gave it up because I realized how much it took away our only quality time, which was Sunday afternoon. Right. Hey, one of our listeners just texted us and said, the quality of the friends and couples that you spend time with makes all the difference. Mm. Their values are critical. And so to that listener, I'd like to say, uh, talk about what you're reading is extremely valuable. Uh, talk about, oh, that's what, when we're out there reading on the beach, she's saying, hey, it's very important. I'd like to say to this listener, we'd love to go out to dinner with you again very, very soon, just not to Outback. If we can go up, I'm thinking Culver's the next time, or maybe sushi or something like that. Okay. All right. But it's important that your hobbies are done together. I mean, it's okay to have a couple things that pull you that you can do uh, separate, but a lot of times people do ministry separate. They do their hobbies separate than whenever they are together. The whole idea behind marriage is I decided I want to spend the rest of my life with you. You're stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Spend it with me. I'm stuck with you, so spend it with you. Absolutely. No, but I feel mutually about that and that, you know, I agree. That you're with stuck that. with me? Oh, that I want to spend it with you. But, you know, you touch a good point there. We just had a couple that we were talking to recently where they were changing where they were involved in ministry because it was she was in one direction and he was in another. And so they weren't getting that mutual feeding in church that they really desired together. And so they just readjusted. That doesn't mean they pulled out a ministry, but they're readjusting what they're doing so that it still is very healthy for their relationship. And the reminder is that your number one ministry is your spouse. Your number one mission field is your own children. Your own children. So if your ministry in the church pulls you away from your spouse and your children, 
and it and it does it to the detriment of the relationship, you need to rethink it because your those things if you, you, you that you're if you get things out of whack, it definitely hurt your relationship. I have a couple of friends right now that are working with their uh, college group at church, and it's great because it's after <laughs> college kids often meet after little kids are in bed. So one spouse can be home and get the kids in bed, and they're getting some time, still being very intentional about their time together, but they're doing ministry in a way that's not affecting their family too much. I feel my partner has too many close relationships with people of the opposite sex. Yeah, that's a tough one because we... Is it a tough one or is it just a no-brainer well, one? it should be a no-brainer. But if you actually are feeling this way, then it is a tough one because it means that one of the um, people in the couple doesn't see a problem with that maybe and doesn't see how it's affecting their spouse. So it can be um, a lack of respect can be com- being communicated by just having too many close relationships or really any really close relationships with somebody of the opposite sex. Well, I mean, there is nothing productive. And I'm just going to say it right there. This is a black and white issue. Guys, you shouldn't have any great friends that are girls. You should be hanging out with any other women except for your wife, unless they're with their husbands. I mean, that's a couple's hangout thing. But guys shouldn't be hanging out with women that aren't their spouse. Girls, you shouldn't be hanging out with men that aren't your spouse. It's just not healthy. It just leads to places you don't want to be. There's just no reason for it. Yeah, and it's it's easy for a lot of people to justify it. How do they justify that, though? Well, in their mind. I'm just saying it's easy for them to try to justify it in their mind to say, well, this is a friend I've had since childhood or whatever, but really examine that and who's more important. And I can guarantee you it should be your spouse. You stood at the altar and said that you're the most important person in my life. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And then you're like, yeah, but I'm going to hang out with Betsy over at the bar. What, what, that just says something wrong. Well, so the important thing in a, in a conversation like this is if one of the spouse or both of them feel that this is an issue is, again, coming to a conclusion to say, let's talk about that. What can we do about that? So I'm not feeling that I'm unimportant in this relationship. And how can we adjust what we're doing? Well, so that's the cool thing about this mentoring program is that they take ownership of it and they come to an agreement and they say, is that going to make this better can you agree to that what can you agree to and come to their own agreement rather than jim or martha saying you need to do this you need to do this because that may not be what they need to do we don't know all but we're things. right oh honey that's not how it works <laughs> okay that's all why right. we go through training but the po- right <laughs> but the point is that this is often a, a conversation buster because mm-hmm. people don't bring this up at home because they don't know how to bring it up at home. And so it often comes up in marriage mentoring because at least there's some neutral third parties Mm -hmm. that can help them work through this to come up with a conclusion. And a lot of times the spouse that's the offender that's hanging out with people of the opposite sex doesn't know how much they're hurting their spouse. Right. And again, that's the beauty of mentoring because there were even things in our survey that we said, you know what, we've just never really talked about this. So it wasn't that it was bad. We just, it gave you that platform to say, how does that make you feel? I never meant to make you feel disrespected or I never meant to make you feel unloved. I want to fix that. All right. So a couple of these last statements. Let's just do the, um, uh, how about, let's just go to the last one. I make most of the decisions regarding what we do together. Mm. Well, we found that in our in our own relationship that you rather me make most of the decisions about what we do together. 
or yeah. we would no, certainly not what we do together, but what we do with other people. Well, here's the here's the thing that we've learned about our personalities as we have gotten to know each other better over the years. What she's saying is, as we got older, is the fact that I would just book ourselves busy all the time. I love to be busy. I love to be with people. I love to um, entertain, and we do a great amount of that. But it came it came to the point where if I would plan things and you didn't have enough margin, it would be frustrating. You did not want to participate. Not margarine. So, margin. Did I say margarine? No. <laughs> I don't use margarine, so I use butter. Not anymore. Anyway. Because you used to try to scam that off when we were first married that margarine was healthier for us. Yeah, I think I was brainwashed. But anyway, so in our relationship, for the most part, it works better for you to make those decisions because you've got stronger limits on how much extra you can tolerate. So in order to save us from having dissension and not be in agreement and stuff and for you to willingly participate in it it was just easier in our relationship and i'm agreeable i'm just like sure let's go out okay let's do this let's do that and um so that's how we've kind of come to it but a lot of couples one of the spouses maybe doesn't like making all the decisions all the time and it's but it's one of those things again where they're not talking about it and you just need to talk about they've created a habit that maybe they're up not happy with but that's just the way it is so again talking about it going okay you know what i'd like you to just plan a date every once in a while or plan what we're going to do this saturday um a lot of people aren't even looking to add anything to their calendar so again we make that mistake and don't be intentional so i agree all right now the last one is we have many friends that share our beliefs and the way beliefs and the way we live more than anything where we've run out of time here but that's so important that you surround yourself with people that are like-minded because if you if you're if you're hanging out with people that are 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 hanging let's just say that you're a churchgoer you want your kids to believe in christ to walk with christ you want your marriage to to stay you want fidelity in your marriage you you want your marriage to be an example to people and you hang out with people that are not like that well you're not going to get encouraged to remain like that but that doesn't mean to seclude yourself but we're talking about your soulmate friendships we're talking about the people you spend a majority of your time with you can still spend time with people that you want to influence but you need accountability all right, we've come to the end of another I Work For Him show, baby. It's been fast. It was good. It, it was. We should maybe, you know, how cool would it be able to do this every day together? Oof, duh. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're looking for a thousand people to make the commitment to join the I Work For Him nation. A thousand people to start praying for their coworkers and employees. A thousand people that will start looking for ways to befriend the coworkers and employees outside of the workplace. So you have an opportunity to be Jesus to them in a real environment. A thousand people will look for ways to serve their coworkers and employees in the workplace. A thousand people to be ready to pray with people in the workplace. When you see an opportunity, when you see somebody down and out, hey, can I pray with you? A thousand people to be the best and brightest example of a person in your position, a person who seeks to, to example excellence in everything you do each and every day. Go on to the I Work For Him website, click on Contact Us, and say, hey, we want to join the I Work For Him nation. We're Christ followers who own our own business, but ultimately, I I work work for him. him.